Hey everybody, my name is Nate and I'm the lead pastor at Restoration Church and I'm so glad that we get to be here together. We are in chapter four of our series, Upside Down Kingdom, and I just want to just say, um, uh, just for a moment, uh, by no means am I telling you like that this is a family-friendly show that uh, for you to watch, so uh, don't feel like you have any pressure that you need to watch this show in order to be involved here at the church. Um, and I'll talk more about that in just a second, but, uh, uh, but we have themed it after this, and let me tell you why. In the TV show, there's, there's like two alternate worlds that uh, they, they look the same, but they're very different, and they call one the upside down. And that upside down is an evil place that's very dark, it's very dangerous, and that upside down is doing, in really the entire series, the upside down is trying to infiltrate the the you know, the reality that everybody knew, and it's trying to destroy it. So that's what's going on in this season, or in, in, this, in this series. So what we've done, and, and one of the things we're talking about, is we've been taking these statements that Jesus said that seem to be these backwards statements, or these upside-down statements that he's making about the kingdom of God, and he's making for people to understand who God is, how his kingdom works, and for people who make the decision to follow him, what now their reality is. So um, last week, we, uh, we talked about give up your life and it will, in, or, in order to save your life, which just seems crazy. The very first week, we talked about this statement, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Statements like that, when you read that, you think, what in the world was Jesus delusional? Did he, did he have some deficiency? Did he have low sodium? What's making him stay, say these statements that seem like absolute nonsense? And the thing is, what Jesus is telling us is when we make a decision to follow him, we now are living, we are, now, we are no longer bound by the principles of this world we now are living according to the principles of his kingdom. And the rules here don't apply like they used to. Instead, now we are living by greater rules. And so that's an exciting thing. Now, there's another theme kind of going on with the show that we could definitely equate to our lives. And where it's talking about the upside down, it's this dual uh, kind of uh, uh, dual area that looks exactly like the town they're in that's, that replicates the entire world they're in, but the upside down is different than their known reality. There's evil there, there's darkness there, and, and there's danger there. And we can, by looking at scripture and kind of taking that imagery, realize that if we're going to compare our current life to scripture and the reality of scripture, we, could, we can see ourselves in this illustration, as being people who live in the upside down. The world that we live in is the upside down in that series, and the promise we have from Scripture is that, that rea this reality will end, and there is a greater one that we have to look forward to where there, where there is not evil, where there is not fear, and, where there's, uh, and, and so that is one of the other themes from the show that we have to look at. Now, before I jump into the, into the message and into the Word, I do want to just take a moment and just make sure that we do celebrate last week. So uh, across all our locations, we had nine water baptisms, which if you were here in Dover last week, I mean, it, yeah, it was amazing. 
If you were here in Dover last week, I mean, it looked like, like people were setting off tear gas in here. I mean, people were crying like it was, like it was the end of Moana. I mean, just tears going crazy. Uh, it was just so touching, so powerful. We can't, it was just amazed, amazed to see what God did. So here in Dover, before the service, before the picnic was over, we had three more people sign up for water baptisms for the next time we're doing, which was just so unbelievable. Um, in Plymouth, where the water baptisms there, two people weren't even signed up for baptisms, but during the service, during the message, God was stirring in their heart, and they just said, all right, I didn't bring a change of clothes, but today's the day I can't delay any longer. And, and so two people there got water baptized, and one of them messaged me, uh, and told me her story and everything that God was doing in her life last week, which is unbelievable. And what we love is that we're not done. Like, that's not it. There's still more things going on. Uh, today, we had a, uh, one of the guys who got baptized last week. He's, been bringing, uh, he's like been bringing five friends with him every week. So today, again, this morning, he brought a whole bunch of people with him. So Will and I got to talk with one of the guys after service. And um, he's a young guy. He's He's, he's younger than me, about, he's younger than Will, so he's a young guy, uh, he's, he's uh, been in recovery, but after service, he asked, he said, do you know this church, Allison Park Church in Pennsylvania? And I said, yeah, I know that church. And uh, he said, that's the church I grew up in, and in fact, I used to be on the maintenance staff at that church, and, uh, and but, uh, you know, he had, he had, chased a life of drugs, but now is in recovery, and today was his first time back in church in who knows how long, and I'm not even sure. We didn't ask him. We were just overwhelmed that I just was taking the moment to speak into his life, like the things your youth pastor spoke over you. God hasn't forgotten those things. He, he, his, his call and his gifts on your life, he hasn't taken them away because you've gone through these things, and uh, he, he, before we had that conversation, he already told Pastor Will, I'll be back next week, and that was just like... That's usually, I'm going to be a little bit more bold than that and say, like, man, this is your church, that we're your family, God's going to continue his call through there. So just absolute, just absolutely amazing the things that God is doing that we get to be a part of. And uh, uh, so anyway, I had other things to tell you, but I didn't tell first service, so you'll have to wait. So anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's move into the message now. Um, during this series, we haven't really talked about the TV show at all, again, because we're not sponsoring a TV show and saying, hey, this is family-friendly entertainment for you, to, for you to enjoy and partake in. But there is this one, today I'm going to show a, a video clip from the TV show, and we haven't done that in the series, but as I was thinking through this week's message, I thought that this, this uh, element or this clip that we'll watch spoke to and was a good illustration of something that Jesus talked about. So there's this other upside down statement that Jesus made, and it's, a, and it's this, give and it will be given unto you. It seems like, what, you know, how is that, how, that doesn't make any sense, how could it happen? And some people try to use this as like a get rich quick scheme. So I'm going to, I want to be rich, so I'm going to give money, and then God will make me rich. And that, that's not what this statement is saying, which we'll, which we'll study and understand today. But let me tell you, I'm going to, before I show the video clip, and let me talk to you about what's going to happen. Now, in season two, one of the characters of the show, his name is Dustin, he finds this creature outside of his garbage can, and he takes it and adopts it. 
And uh, we know that of viewers of the show that this creature that he's adopted is from the upside down, that it's a human killing creature that when it grows up is going to, is, it, it's going to be dangerous to the entire world. But Dustin take, takes it and he adopts it. He puts it in his aquarium in his bedroom and he doesn't tell any of his friends that he has it. So as the, as the episodes go on, this creature's growing, it's getting bigger, it's becoming more dangerous. And again, he's not telling his friends that it exists. And it and we're, as, and people who are watching the show are growing more and more anxious because this thing is becoming more and more dangerous. As the show goes on, this creature ends up eating his cat, and uh, that was not enough to, uh, to get him to drop it off at the Humane Society. So he <laughs> began then to feed it Three Musketeers candy bars. And, and as we see from the show... Uh, what happened during that season is he loved this creature. He named this creature. He named it Dart, and uh, and and took care of it, and and was like, it was his fur baby, except he didn't have any fur, and uh, it was a slime. It was a slime baby. So this was a very dangerous, ugly creature. Now. What happens is, at the, as this is going on throughout the, end of the season, near the end of the season, one of the final episodes, the, Dustin and his friends are traveling through this underground uh, tunnel trying to save one of their friends, and then they are uh, met in the tunnel by Dart. And uh, Dart is a species of, of creature known as a demo dog, or it put the end in there, a demon dog. It is a vicious, scary, hideous animal. And, uh, and so that brings us to where we are in the movie. Now, here's Dustin and all his friends faced with um, this animal. And as a spectator and you're viewing this, you have the reality, someone's about to die, and you're beginning to calculate in, the he- in your head, who will it be? So what we're about to view is a, a minute and a half clip from that part of the episode. So I haven't told you what's going to happen. You'll be able to see it. But just for you to know... This creature is very scary looking, and so if that's going to uh, be offensive to you, just close your eyes. Everybody think you're falling asleep like the guy next to you, and uh, so you don't have to worry about that. And um, and then uh, yeah, so that's the setup for that. Why don't we watch this? Let's go back to that statement Jesus made: "Give, and it will be given to you." Dustin loved this hideous creature. Um, much like your mom loves you, and she, she, she loved, he loved this hideous creature, creature took care of it, um, uh, uh, nurtured it, loved it, fed it, and here at the end, when this creature should have killed it, uh, he received back what seemed like a very risky investment, and it let him go, and uh, none, of the, none of those people died that season, and uh, really, they all could have. It begins to show us And it is the picture what we'll begin to see of this scripture that um, as we as we as we give as we are generous not and this is not this is talking about much more than money it's talking about grace mercy forgiveness kindness love friendship as we give those things there will be there will be a time and, and multiple times in our life where we're receiving back from that goodness the other thing to say is if you're young here and I know we've got. People here were born in the 2000s. That's what the 80s were like. Your parents loaded your backpacks up with candy bars. 
Uh, and, and that's what they fed you. It was an amazing, you didn't have helmets on your bicycles. Um, uh, you didn't know who the predators were in your neighborhood. You just lived. It was wild. You go home. I'm young enough that we would, at six years old, I would leave my house and go down the street. And then at sundown, I'd hear my mom screaming through the woods and I'd come home. That was life back then. It was the best. That's what heaven will be like. Come home at sundown. So, and the parents are like, rejoice. Uh, so, the, uh, anyway, let's, let's come back to this. All right, if you get your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 6. We want to look at the scripture that Jesus, where he taught this. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one for free. So when you leave the service here, if you go to the Welcome Center, just ask them for a Bible. They'll give you one. Uh, no questions asked. We want you to have a physical copy of the Bible that you can begin to read for yourself the things that Jesus said, the things that he did. You begin to study it for yourself and allow God to speak to you through his word. Now, in Luke chapter 6, we'll be reading at verse number 37 here in a minute, but throughout this chapter, um, leading up to this part and even continuing after it, Jesus is talking to and comparing two different types of people, and really probably two different types of religious people or people who would, who would kind of classify themselves that way. There's the first type, which are people who, who um, follow the law, which was a, the, a, a portion of scripture in the Old Testament. They follow it. They follow it to the T. They do it diligently, deliberately, and, and that is what their life is about. And they really kind of hold themselves to that esteem. Are you a person who casually follows the law? And they would say, never. I'm a person who proudly and perfectly serves the law. But in their serving the law and following the rules, they've forgotten the heart of why it is that we might follow the law or why it is that we might follow the rules. They've missed that completely. Then there's a second group of people who would say, I follow God, but their belief and the, and the way they live out following God, it is much different. They are people who are living by God's mercy. They don't see themselves as I have to follow the rule. They see themselves as every day that I've been given is a gift from God. I have, I, I'm a person who should, have been, who should have received judgment, who should have re received punishment for how I have lived, but instead God gave me mercy. And that attitude affects their life. And it affects our life today, too. There are two types of church people. There's the type of church person who made you leave church 20 years ago. And you know, many people, if they quit church because of, a because of people, they know exactly who that person is. But then there's the type of people um, who, uh, who don't make you feel less than, but who, who are kind to you and, and, and who are loving to you. And these are the different people that Jesus is talking about as we begin to read the scripture. So let's read um, that statement in the, in the midst of these other verses. So just, this is the quote from Jesus. He said in verse number 37, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Given you will receive, your gift will return to you in full, Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. 
The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. It's a big statement here. We're talking about give and you will receive. And there's a couple things that Jesus is talking about here. And the first is that idea, giving you will receive. And we, again, we can think of it like, uh, all right, I'm just going to do all these things so God owes me, or I'm going to live my life doing good deeds so God will do good deeds for me. But that is missing it a little bit. But the one thing that helps us to understand that scripture is this idea, and I'm going to put it on the screen to help you, to help you understand it, that our blessings are based on our blessing. So our blessings, the nouns of our life, um, those things in our life and our ability to receive those blessings are based on our ability to bless others. It's based on the verb of our life. So if you think about your life, your nouns that you're going to receive in the future, they're, bla- they're based on your ability to live out blessing other people. So you may have received a ton of blessing. God's really kind of promised to, to give you a bunch more. And that's not, all, that's not just tangible things. You've got to think far greater and, and far more valuable than cash and cars. The thing's much more valuable to you in your life than those things. But our ability to receive those things are, blessed, are based on our ability to give those things to other people. That's very, very important. Now, the second thing that Jesus is telling us from the scripture that we're going to spend a lot more time talking about is, uh, is not just to give, but to give generously. And he gives this illustration of the measure you use to give others is going to be the measure God uses to give to you. And so there's this, there's this encouragement from Jesus to give generously. So he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to know how the kingdom of God works. If you give, it will be given back to you. If you give generously, it will be given back generously to you. These are ability to give forgiveness to other people, the ability to give grace to other people, the ability to give kindness to other people, the ability to give clothing to other people, the ability to give financially to other people. These are in anything that you have to give, love, friendship, God is saying in scripture, you'll, you'll, he'll give those things back to you. So I'm going to grab a couple of things here from behind the TV to help us talk through this illustration to help us to get it. So Jesus is saying, hey, you've got a choice here to, on, on how you're going to give. You want to give to others, you can choose the type of cup you're giving from. And the cup you choose to give to other people is the same cup God is going to use to give back to you. So we can immediately think like, I want the big cup. And I don't think there's anything wrong in that because Jesus is encouraging for that, but our motivation in that could be wrong. And sometimes it is wrong. Now, what we have to begin to do as we look at this illustration is begin to first evaluate ourselves, how are we currently giving to other people? How are we currently giving forgiveness? How are we currently giving grace to other people? What measure are we using for that? Sometimes we live in such a way that we're, we've got a small cup, and even we're just kind of giving pinches from someone. That's all they deserve. That's all they're going to ever get from me. And we begin 
to be really kind of uh, stingy in that. God doesn't want us to act like that because God wants us to give this way. And what, the, what happens to us as we begin to evaluate is we have to say, what measure did I receive from God initially? When God, when he changed my life, did he pour out his blessings upon me in a little cup? Or did he pour out his blessings upon me in a big cup? How did God do that? And sometimes as we evaluate that in our life, I have such a hard time giving grace, giving love to other people. All of a sudden we realize I have, I'm someone who's shown up at church, but I'm not someone who's met Jesus. So when you, show, when you just show up at church, you're just a religious person trying to follow all the rules. You haven't received a, good, a big cup from God. In fact, you haven't received any cup from God. And so all you have is all you've been able to muster up yourself. Because of course, you're going to be stingy to give that away. But when you have come to a place where Jesus has changed your life, like he did in the, people's, like he did in the baptism last week, like he's done in so many of our lives, you realize, wait a minute, God has poured out on me blessings and kindness and forgiveness that I could never possibly understand, that I could never possibly deserve, that I could never possibly earn. And in that, when you are in a place and you've experienced that, man, we, we begin to evaluate ourselves and say, why in the world am I giving so little when God has given me so much? Why am I so judgmental to other people? Why am I so mean to other people? Why I have such bitterness toward other people when God, has, um, when God has given me so much? There's, um, when, I was, when I was about, I don't know, 19 or 20 years old, I had the opportunity to go to the X Games. They were being held in downtown Providence, and uh, I was going to college right around that area. So my friends and I, or my excuse me, my girlfriend and I, we went to, uh, we went to the X Games, and um, it was exciting when we were there because it, all these vendors giving out free samples of stuff, and I, I, you know, I never saw that in New Hampshire. Uh, one time, the Red Bull truck pulled up in front of my house and said, hey, I'm lost. Can I use your phone? This was before GPS, and I bartered with him, and I said, I'll let you use my phone if you'll give us all a Red Bull. So he drove away, knowing where we were going. We all drank the first Red Bull of our life. But this event that we were at, um, the X Games, there was all kinds of vendors giving all kinds of things. And the amazing thing about it is there was no sign on there that said limit one per customer and there was no, or one per person. And in fact, the people... Um, who were working the table, they've, they just like, yeah, take as much as you want. So at that time, Sobe had a little energy drink, and uh, man, me and, and, and my friends, because we went back multiple days, we were, because there's nothing else to do really in Providence. They had a carpeted mall. That was really impressive. Um, <laughs> but we were gathering so much stuff. We were filling our backpacks. And so our dorm rooms were, were stocked with these Sobe energy drinks. They were also giving away bags of corn nuts, which I had never had before. They weren't necessarily that good, but man, I filled my backpack with them. 
Then there was even one vendor, and this is the truth, that was giving away medicine for back pimples. Now, I, I, I didn't have any back pimples, but man, I took a lot of those boxes home with me. Because you never know. I heard when you get old. So anyway, I, you never know. So I just took a whole bunch of those with me. Eventually, I threw them away. They were expired. But it's this, it's this, it's this attitude of generosity that we in our lives tend to be like the, instead of, there's this, this uh, 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 anyway, this comparison that we're trying to make. You can be like the people at the X Games, giving freely, giving gener- generously, or you can be like that person at the store, and when you go up to get a free sample, they kind of give you an eye, like, really, two? One of those is for that infant baby, I'm sure. And, and, they, and if, you go to tr- if you try to come back, they're, like, really annoyed that you tried to take it. And it's so bizarre because that is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be giving samples out. You should be glad people are taking samples, but they even withhold them and they guard them and they protect them. And we, with the goodness of God, can do the same thing. Oh, this is what I've got. You'll have to get your own. I'll give you just enough to keep you honest, but, you, but until you change, until you prove it, and this is how we're acting. We, to, we, I think what happens is when God changes our life, so many of us, we've been, we've been coached and, and discipled into being people who are like passport photo inspectors. If you've ever had your passport photo, there's a huge list of rules. And, and if you send it in with, and you haven't followed the rules, they send it right back. So we're like people evaluating people's lives and saying, do, you know, what's their background? Uh, you know, is it, is, it, is it blurry? Are they, you know, in passport photos, no smiling aloud. And we think these passport rules somehow apply to church. But God, one of the things he's trying to help us to see to the goodness he's poured into our lives, we're more like people who are running the photo booth at events. And so it's the same two-by-two two picture but we're trying to help people to experience the goodness of God with, with, with our interaction with them. We're trying to help people to capture the goodness of God through, through the, these tiny moments we call a Sunday service or for these tiny moments you have on your lunch break with them. And so we're not holding back like, excuse me, you got too many props for that photo booth photo. No, we're saying... Man, you, every good thing from God, you need to go after. You need to experience. Here, let me show you more. Man, I, and, and it changes how we interact with them. It changes how we worship. It changes so much about our life with them. If one thing that Jesus is teaching us here in the scripture is he's saying, all right, listen, you're going to give a little. You're going to get a little. So God, in, his, in the beginning, when in your life, when you made the decision to follow, he poured out on you. And maybe there's a season you gave generously, but somehow you got burned. But now it's at this part you're realizing you're not giving a lot. The statement here from, from Jesus is, if you're using a little cup to pour out on people, you're being stingy in how you're giving grace and forgiveness to people and how you're giving love and friendship to people. And then the statement here that Jesus made is, then my father, he's going to use that same measuring cup on you one day. And if your person is giving out judgment 
and you're rolling your eyes, you're giving out criticism, then that's going to be the measure and the method that God uses on you one day. Very important. There's a parable in scripture, and I didn't have it in my, in my sermon notes, but, um, but I mentioned it first service, I'll mention it here again. Uh, there's this parable in scripture, which is a fictional story that Jesus told, but it had a spiritual meaning. So he was telling these stories to help us to understand the kingdom, the kingdom of God and his father. And one of the stories he, he, he talked about is that there was a guy who was in much debt, and, uh, and I didn't look it up before first service or second service. I want you to have the same disjointed approach that they did. Um, but he was either a banker. He owed money to either a banker or a king or to a boss or something. And when he, when he was called in about this because he, he, he wasn't able to afford it, he couldn't keep paying it, the king said to him, listen, I'm going to forgive all of your debts. Um, you, know, you don't have to pay it back. You're 100% forgiven. And the guy was overjoyed. When he left the bank, I don't know what his motivation was, but he went to everybody who owed him money, and he began to push them and to press them and to be angry with them to give him his money, begin to uh, be violent with them, begin to threaten them. And maybe he thought, man, now that I don't owe any money, if they would pay me, I'll be rich. And so he began to attack them. Well, the king heard this, brought him in, and said, how, after you've been forgiven so much, could you not extend that same forgiveness to other people? And then that guy was judged more severely than had he never received anything before. He says, all right, if you're going to treat other people that way, I'm going to treat you the same way. And this, again, is helping us. If we've made the decision to follow God, if we've received a great cup of overflowing, a great measure of goodness in our life, then we have to be people who extend that same goodness and that same grace to other people. So he's telling us, all right, uh, measure generously because the amount you give will determine the amount you give back. He's telling us the second part from this is that your measuring cup comes from God. And we mentioned this briefly, but it's a, this way to evaluate ourselves. How am I giving to other people? How am I at giving forgiveness? How am I giving grace? How am I giving kindness? How am I at serving? How am I at, at being generous, giving meals, giving, even giving money to other people? How do I do that? And when we evaluate ourselves, we say, I can't do that. It's hard for me. I don't like to do that. Maybe we begin to say that the cup that, we've been, that, that we have hasn't come from God at all. Or maybe we're repentant to say, God, you were so generous with me but I haven't been generous with others. And there's a word called repentance that we then use. It's asking for forgiveness, but it's also a change of direction in our behavior. We no longer behave the sinful way we once did, but we live in a God-honoring way. God wants us to give like he gives. And there's a famous scripture that I want to read to you that reminds us about the measure God gave to us and it's John 3, 16, and it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever, anyone, no matter what your background is, no matter what your political affiliation is, no matter how much money you have, no matter what your criminal record looks like, no matter what uh, race you're, you are, that anyone, any place, anywhere who makes the decision to believe in Jesus they will not perish, but be given everlasting life. 
that you're, forgive, that you're forgiven of your past and your future is secured, that you have the assurance of heaven and the life after this one. That's a big deal. And there's not one of us who deserved that, who earned that. He freely gave us everything. So that, all, that motivates our heart. How do we treat the person in the row next to us? How do we treat the person who joined our circle and then quit it? How do we treat the person who dinged our car in the church parking lot? How do we treat those people? We treat them with the same measure that God has given us. We see the last thing from this is that our, our giving is motivated by love. It's not motivated by reward. We begin to look at like, oh, man, I'm only giving this much. I'm only going to get that much back. I'm going to start giving this much. So then I have to be given so much back. And we try to use this as a tool to manipulate God. God, I've done all these, all these good chores. Now it's time for me to, uh, to cash it all in. And we think God's like, like Hilltop Fun Center. Here's my chance to get that stuffed animal to creep out my friends. Here's my chance. And we begin, to, we begin to act in a way that we're not even grateful for the things God's given us. We're just, we're just saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to manipulate you so you have to do everything in my life I want to. But it's not our giving in, in forgiveness, our giving in grace, our giving in friendship, our giving in love, our giving with our, with our finances, our giving with our time. These things are all motivated by love because he's already given so much. Paul, who is one of the authors, uh, he wrote a, couple of, uh, a few of the letters that are in the Bible. He says this, if I possess, if I give all I have uh, to the poor, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So our motivation is not to get things from God. Our motivation in giving things out it's so that they can experience the same love and the same goodness that we've received from God. So because we've received, we give. And because we give, we receive more. And what happens is this cycle in our life, that when we've received so much from God, and we say, this is unbelievable. You need to experience this. You need to, I, I need to show you this. Um, I want to help. And we start pouring out to other people. God sees that. He says, oh, I see you're giving out. Let me give you some more. And we start pouring. We start trying to give that out. And it says here in the scripture, and what Jesus said here, is that as you begin to give out, so I've given you a whole bunch, you begin to give out, what happens is you can't even keep up with the goodness that God's pouring out in your life, and so it becomes, it begins to overflow what you already have to measure in the cup you already have, it's spilling over into your lap, it's spilling over into the floor, and you're trying as hard as you might to give out kindness, to give out, um, to give out prayers, to give out grace to people, you will not be able to keep up with what God begins to pour out into your life because he's going to pour out faster and greater than you could ever pour out on your own. So all of a sudden now, we're not people who are stingy and saying, well, if I give them grace, if we let them come to church without changing, without forcing them to change, they might, they, they might never change. And so we're going we're gonna to put our nose up at people we're going to cross our arms at people. We're going to point our fingers at people because it's better that they know they're not right with God than to, than to be deceived. And listen, that doesn't help people know they're not right with God. It helps them to know you're not right with God. We instead, people will say, hey, 
Let me talk to you about, the G- about Jesus. He lavishly, generously poured out his life, poured out his goodness, poured out his forgiveness on me. And as much as I can, take all the free samples you want. And uh, uh, you've got to come experience this. You've got to give your life to him because the goodness that he's done in me, he can do for you too. And man, doesn't that change everything? And so we give and we receive back. But we don't give to receive back. We, we give because we want to give. And the one, I guess the other promise from this is that the same measure that we've given, the grace, the forgiveness, the kindness, the love, that's, the, that's what we receive from God on a daily and continual basis. He's a good God who loves you so much. As you close your eyes, I want to take a moment and pray for you. And, you know, there's an application point in here for us. You've made a decision to follow Jesus. Well, how are you, how are you measuring? How are you, are you measuring generously? Are you giving generously? You give grace to your spouse, and nobody's spouse is perfect. They need our grace often. My, my wife has to give me grace often. Well, we do that and we give that. We don't hold a chart of accounts of every wrong thing you've done over the years. We give grace because we've been given grace by God. We give forgiveness to our kids because we've been forgiven by God. When we, when we sin and we, and, we, you know, and we lose our temper at our kids, we're reminded God never lost his temper at us. He never yelled at us. And so we, we give our kids humility and we say, listen, I, I need you to forgive me now. I need to confess to you my sins of how I treated you because God has given humility to us. Jesus, when he left heaven and came to earth and became a man, he didn't come that we would serve him, but he came to serve us. Humility. In all these things in our life, we give generously. We give friendship to people without friends because Jesus made us his friends. We give. And if you're in a place and you've never received a good measure from God, it is not a difficult thing to receive that for the very first time. You simply, you just simply ask him to forgive you of your sins and every single one of us, no, there's not one of us perfect. We've all come to the place where we say, listen, I've lived a life that's far from you. Whether you're five years old or 55 years old, you've never asked, you've never confessed that sin to him. You do it now. In every single one of us, he forgives fully and completely. We ask him to be our Lord or our King. I don't want, I, I want to forgive you, but I don't want to just make you a side a, a, another app in my life I want you to I want you to direct my life we ask him to be our savior and then lastly we just we just confess to him I'm going to follow you those those three simple sentences change everything in your life and God now begins to pour out more than you can contain uh, 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 friendship and forgiveness and grace he wants to show you how much he loves you by doing that. Jesus, we're from all different places in here today. Some who don't know you, some who've never followed you, some who walked away from you. God, some who become, have begun to be religious people and become to be, be stingy because I don't know, they're, 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 
whether it's fear or just a, a heart that's grown hard toward the way you're working, they've become stingy. And for every single one of us, man, we don't want to give out less than you've given us. And we don't want to give out judgment and receive judgment. You, in the very beginning, loved us before we, before, before we committed anything to you. You gave everything for us before we committed anything to you. And I pray we would treat each other like that. I would tr pray we would treat our co-workers like that. We would treat our family like that. Extending and giving out the goodness and the grace of God. I just pray that we as Restoration Church will be people who give out a good measure. And we give that out generously. No matter who ever walks in our doors, we will love them. We will be gracious to them. We will share them the good news of Jesus, not a bunch of rules. That, uh, uh, and we will extend them the love of God, not an arms crossed, judgmental attitude. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for giving to us so great, so, so graciously. It is in your name, Jesus, we worship. We live and move. It is your name, Jesus, we pray.